Um, so it was, I heard it, I'm going to be cremated, okay? Ah, that's the kind of stuff I heard, but uh, it's very, very interesting. Well, here's the thing. This, this, we're we're going to talk about what happens when you die, and we're going to talk about what, what could be, and it's, it's a fascinating topic. I mean, a lot of people like to think about this and, and love to, you know, kind of guess what might happen. You know, there's a lot of movies that are about this, like um, Pixar's Soul. Have anybody seen Pixar's Soul? Um, it was the beginning of the downfall of Pixar, in my opinion. But anyway, uh, you know, in that movie, Jamie Foxx plays a jazz musician who, who dies, and his soul goes and gets in line to go to the great beyond. And then his soul decides, I don't want to go to the great beyond. And so he goes into the great before and ends up in a cat's body. Anyway, it's a whole thing. But anyway, uh, or, you know, this series is based, the, the title of this series is based off of the TV show, The Good Place, which I really enjoyed. And actually, I, I thought there were a lot of interesting things to grab from that. But it's these people and they wake up and they wake up in the good place. And I won't tell you there's a big twist in it, but... I mean, these people, they, they die, and it's all based off of their deeds. If they did enough good deeds, then they got to go to the good place. And then when they get there, they get a house that's built just for them. It's built on their dreams. It's built on what they love to do, and they can watch on a DVR all the good things that they did and stuff. And they get a soulmate, which is great for you single people, you know what I mean, who didn't, who didn't or if you married the wrong person. You're in the good place, your soulmate is waiting for you. We're like, nah, God's like, you got it wrong. We got the right person for you, though. Uh, and then there's a lot of movies that, and movies and books that are based off of people's near-death experiences, right? So, you know, have you heard about, you know, the 90 minutes in heaven about the little boy who, who, who died and, and, and went to heaven for a short time and then he came back and he started drawing pictures of it? Um, there's another one, I think it's called like, uh, oh goodness, I, I'll tell you this much. I can't remember the title of it. I thought it was seven minutes in heaven and I Googled that. Don't Google that. Do not Google seven minutes in heaven because I thought that was the title of a Christian book movie. It is not. It is not. And if the church's Google history, if the board calls me out, we've had some alarms go off. Um, It's purely for sermon research. Anyway, uh, and by the way, you know, those, those, those movies and those books where the little boy dies and comes back and tells everybody about it, I don't know if you've ever looked into those, but those, the, the churches that, that those people, they, they attend, you go to their website, they're like, come to the church that the boy attends who went and spent 90 minutes in heaven and stuff. And I mean, it's like plastered all over. It's a selling point. And those churches in the last couple of years have really exploded. So here's what I'm thinking. If one of you could flatline for seven minutes, <laughs> spend just seven minutes in heaven, and then come back, we could put you on the website, and I think it would really help the church. So, among us, I mean, we all agree, Derek Monteith is the best looking of us all, all right? If we had to put one of our faces on a book, it would be Derek's, all right? So, I'm just saying... Do the Lord's work. Okay? You got you. I got you. But I mean, it's, it's, it, we all fantasize and we all think about, and you know, there's been movies about and everybody kind of likes to guess what might happen. And, and so we're going to have a conversation about this today. And so, but here's the thing I want to tell you. This is one of those conversations where it, this is a, it could look like this. Okay? Never, ever, ever do I ever stand up here 
and call myself an expert, you, you know one of my sayings is, is I don't know everything about anything, okay? So I'm, th- this is just, we're guessing, okay? And here's the thing. If you, you, you're probably going to hear something from me or you're going to run into somebody else and they're going to say, that's just ne- not necessary. There's no way it's like that, okay? And probably somebody smarter than me that has a master's or a doctor or, it, or they're a wizard at Hogwarts or whatever it may be, okay? I'm not here to debate that. This is just a, a could-be conversation, right? Because here's the thing, you, and you know this, none of us know. None of us know. None of us know. But we have to talk about this because, go ahead, Chris, you can put it back up there. I screwed up. It, it's in important because we said this last week you live toward what you look forward to which is why we have to discuss it it's why we have to think about it because you live toward what you look forward to and like we said last week most of us don't look forward to heaven we don't even want to think about dying we don't want to think about getting older we don't want to talk about our birthdays that's me today okay we don't want to think about anything like that because we're not looking forward to heaven. But if you don't look forward to it, you won't live toward it. And so we have to live toward heaven. So this is a conversation that's just a what if. This is what it could be like. But there are two gospel truths, two things that I could hang my hat up on, two things that, I mean, when I started this series, I have a document of like 48 scriptures that talk about this stuff. I'll, I'll hang my hat up and tell you that two things we're going to talk about today are gospel truth, things that are universal, things that we have to understand as followers of Jesus. But the rest of it, we're just going to have some fun with it, okay? So last week I said something that might have made your eyebrow go up, like the rock eyebrow. Is that good? Is that a good Dwayne Johnson, you know, eyebrow? It's pretty good, right? No? I don't, I, I'm glad the lights are off. I don't know who said that, but boo on you. It's my birthday. Uh, <laughs> gosh, jeez. Made me feel bad for my rock impressions. Anyway, but I talked about how there are three realms of heaven. Three realms of heaven, okay? Heaven on earth present heaven, and future heaven. Now again, this may not have been something you ever heard before, and I'm going to break this down and explain this to you, but there are three realms of heaven. Now we talked about the first one last week, heaven on earth. Jesus told us, when Jesus told us to pray, he said, pray, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. That's how we're supposed to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to pray, and there's, we have these moments, and you know this. We even have sayings. We're like, oh, that's a piece of heaven. That's just like heaven. That's a slice of heaven. It was like being in heaven. There are moments and times when we have our eyes open where we see something so God-filled, so joyful, so beautiful, so peaceful, so amazing that we're like, oh, my goodness, I think this is what heaven's going to be like. I think like this is a preview of heaven. I'll, I'll tell you real quick, one of those moments for me was when my uncle died. When my uncle died and I was in college, it was like 16 years ago, I flew down uh, to Texas. We had the funeral. And as soon as I, we got off the plane, m- my grandmother's church board was waiting for me. They never met me. They don't know me. They were waiting for me. There are three of them. And I walked off the plane and they hugged me. They didn't even know me. And then we went and we had the funeral. And then as we're starting the funeral, it was the first funeral that I ever did with my dad. And as we're starting the funeral, uh, members of our church in St. Louis, we had, my dad's planted a church in O'Fallon uh, many years ago. All of a sudden we're starting and members of our church had gotten in their car and driven down to be there for my dad and for our family. And so afterwards, we have the funeral, and afterwards, it's my church family in Texas, it's my, my family, my blood family, and it's my, my grandmother's church family there, and we're all just having a good time, laughing, hanging out, and I just, for a moment, I just looked back and I was like, 
This is it. This is what heaven's going to be like. All these people loving one another, supporting one another. This is heaven for me right now in that split moment. We have those moments where we get to get a little preview of heaven on earth. Now, but there's also present heaven. Now, present heaven would be what happens when you die, which is the conversation that we were talking about, right? What happens when you die? Now, I'll be fully transparent with you, and this will just tell you how much I try to study these things. This studying for this series changed my mind on something because I was always along the belief that when you die, it's like you go to sleep. Okay, it's like you go to sleep, and then when Jesus returns, you know, you've probably heard rumors or you know, things about Jesus returning, the second coming, the end, right? Where Jesus comes, and I always thought in my head, honestly, that when we die, it's like we go to sleep, and you know, when you sleep, you don't know how long it's passed. It's like you sleep, uh, you know, and it's been, you know, 12 hours or three for some of you, right? And it's like, oh, I'm awake, right? I always pictured it like that, that when Jesus returns, because there's so many scripture verses that talk about when Jesus returns, that the dead will rise. There's tons of stuff that Jesus said himself that that's what's going to happen. So I'll be honest with you. Most of the time, I've always believed that. And I've, every time I go to a funeral and they're like, grandma's looking down at us. I'm like, no, she ain't. You know, I've said that in my head. I don't say that loud. I've kept that to my, I've kept that bottled up for a long time. All right. And so I kind of let that out now. And I got to tell you, I've changed my mind on that. Okay. Because that's how I always believe because of the evidence in scripture. However, three things that I studied and read uh, changed my mind on this, okay? And I want to tell you what those things are. I think that when we die, we go to a present heaven, that there is a heaven currently where there are people, there is God, and there is Jesus. Now, let me tell you the three things that changed my mind on this. The first thing is this, the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross. If If you know, Jesus was hung on a cross, he was crucified, he was hung on a cross to die, and he had a criminal on his left and on his right. Two people that had done very bad things. We don't know what they are. And one of them mocks Christ. And the other, he, he puts his faith in Christ. And he, he says, don't you know who you're talking to? This is the son of God. And he puts his faith in that moment. In that moment. He had lived a terrible bad life. That's so important. A terribly bad life. Done, done terrible things worthy of, of crucifixion. Which was a big deal. And yet, he puts his faith. And Jesus says to him something to him that is very, very important. That Jesus turns to him and says... Truly, I tell you, today, 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 you will be in paradise with me. Now, here's the thing. Jesus looked at him and said, today, not tomorrow, not years from now. He didn't say, I will return for you one day. He says, today, when you die, you will be with me in heaven. Now, you could look at that and go, well, he meant like, you know, like it's going to feel like today because he's going to go into that sleep and he's going to wake up. Okay, I'll give you that. But number two, okay, the second thing that changed my mind is this. Jesus ascended into heaven. Okay? Jesus ascended into heaven. After he died, there, were about 40, there was a 40-day period where people saw all these sightings of Jesus, where the disciples had breakfast with Jesus. And then he said, I will return. And they said it was like he ascended into heaven. So here's the thing. Jesus was here in bodily form. He was eating and he was hanging out with the disciples. And then he ascended and he went somewhere. Where is that somewhere? There is somewhere where Jesus is where he has a body, right? So we know that there has to be some sort of present day heaven where Jesus currently is. 
Now again, you could say, well, again, Jesus is in that place right now, but nobody else is, you know, and that whole thing with the thief on the cross, that was like, he was talking theoretically, he was saying today, but it's going to feel like today. Okay, I'll give you that. But here's my third thing that changed my mind, okay, is this, Moses and Elijah. There is a point in Matthew where Jesus goes up to a mountain to pray. Jesus goes up to a mountain to pray, and the disciples, they're always taking naps and stuff. But they were curious, and so they went to where Jesus was, and all of a sudden, this is what happened. This is what they saw. It says, just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. All of a sudden, they go and they sneak up on Jesus who's praying, and Jesus is having a conversation with the force ghost or something (laughs) of Moses and Elijah. Star Wars reference, hashtag. Uh, But he's having this conversation, and it says that they were dressed in white, and it said that Jesus was dressed in white, and they were kind of like glowing. Again, force ghost, okay? And they're having this conversation, and so there they are, and they knew it was Moses and Elijah who had been dead for a very, very long time. So... Hello, how do you explain that? Moses and Elijah were there and they, they had a body and they were there and they were having a conversation with Jesus. So here's the thing. Jesus tells the thief on the cross, today you're gonna be with me. Jesus ascended into heaven with a body. And then we've seen, we have historical documentation that there were times where Jesus was talking with force ghosts of Moses and Elijah and other dead people. So, I mean, put those things together kind of paints the picture, right? That there's a, there's a present heaven. So what in the world does that look like? What is that going to be like? What's that going to feel like? How do we get there? These are all conversations that we have and things that we've wondered. Now, if we look at some of the letters that Paul wrote, especially like to, to Ephesus, this is what Paul says in Ephesus. This is, this is a good one to look at. He wrote the Ephesians, and he starts to talk about how now that you're Christians, now that you're a follower of Jesus, right, then now there's something that's happening, something that's being built up to. And this is what he says. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So Paul, he paints this picture. He's saying, now that we're followers of Christ, Christ is, Christ is raising us up. Jesus is raising us up to do what? Well, we're going to experience his grace, the riches of his kindness, and, and, and there's something that he is preparing for us. And then he tells us how in the world we get there. How, how do we get to this place? And this is what he says next. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. That is very important. Not by works. It is through faith. It is through God's grace. So that no one can boast. How do we get to this present heaven? How do we assure ourselves that when we die, we get to go to this heavenly beyond. This this present day heaven. It's by faith. By faith. Thanks to God's grace, and when we put our faith in him, we get to experience that present heaven. Now, what is faith? We've had this conversation before, but here's a reminder. What is faith? Faith is confidence. God is and will do what he promised to do. It's that simple. That is what faith is. Confidence. God is and will do what he promised to do. It's that simple. 
So here's the amazing thing that happens, is it's not by works, it's not by something you earn, it's, there's nothing you can do to get there, except for to believe that Jesus is and was who he said he was, which was the Son of God. And that God is and will do what was promised to us, what he said he would do. Now, that's how we get there. It's by faith. Pretty easy, right? But what is present heaven like? That's a really interesting question. What is present heaven like? Here's the thing. None of us really know till we get there. But there are a couple clues. Number one, we know this. We know God's going to be there, right? God is going to be there for sure. We know God's going to be there. Jesus is going to be there. That's a given. And the great thing is that we're going to get to be with God and just being with God, just like what Paul talked about. We are going to get to experience the richness of his grace and his kindness. I mean, our insecurities, our fears, our anxiety are all going to just melt away because we're going to be in the presence of God. I mean, what those disciples felt, what the, what the sick felt when they were in the presence of God, when they just got to touch Jesus in the streets, the, the healing that they felt, the wholeness that they felt, we're going to get to experience that when we are in the presence of God in present heaven. That's right off the get-go. But the second thing is this, is I believe we're going to have a body. Now again, this, this is like, you know, people wonder what this means and, and what, what happens here, but I really think we're going to have a body. And again, I'll go back to my arguments that I just had. Number one, Jesus had a body. Now, I don't think it's going to be the new body, and I'll get to that in a minute, but, you know, there's scripture verses that talk about get, receiving a new body. I don't think it's going to be the new body because Jesus, even when he saw the disciples, they could still see the scars in his hands from his crucifixion. They could see the wounds that were there. They were healed, but they, they were still there. But I think we're going to receive that, that new body. Just the same as Moses and Elijah had a body, I think we're going to have a body as well. So I don't think we're going to be floating around like as souls. You know what I mean? That's not, I don't think what it is. And here's the other thing you've got to realize too. The body, I mean, Adam wasn't Adam until God breathed life into what? A body, Right? When he breathed life into a body is when Adam was fully formed and, and was known as Adam. So a body is always going to be a part uh, of us no matter where we are. But here's the other thing. I believe we're going to be conscious. I believe we're going to be fully conscious of what is happening on this earth. Now let me tell you why I believe that. There, there's a, you know, Revelation, which the book of Revelation, it's, it's crazy, right? We've, we've done a series on it before. We've done an end times thing and I've blown up all the things like rapture and stuff and, and talked about that a little bit. You can go look that up on your own. But there is no denying that in that letter of Revelation, John had a vision of something that happens after life, Okay. That John had a vision of something going on in heaven. And he talks about seeing this group of martyrs, which martyrs are people who, who died for their faith, who were killed for their faith. And so he talks about seeing this group of martyrs, and these group of martyrs are going up to God and praying to God and asking God when they're, what they're waiting for is going to happen. This is what it says in Revelation. John sees this, and he says, They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? So the martyrs that John sees, the martyrs are up in heaven and they can see what's going down on earth. And they ask God, how long? 
how much longer? How much longer until the final heaven, the future heaven, until you come and you return and you make all things right? They're specifically worried about when are you going to avenge what happened to us because we are looking for justice. So that tells us that through John's revelation that when we're in heaven, we're going to be conscious enough. We're not going to be standing there like I talked about last week. We're not going to be standing there going, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Which, by the way, my daughter, she thinks she's very funny. She came up to me this morning and goes, Look, Daddy, this is me in heaven. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I was like, you're very funny, right? But I don't think it's going to be like that. I don't think we're going to be zombies in an eternal worship service. I think we're going to be fully conscious of what is going on and that some of that community with God and with other people is already going to begin. But we are going to be fully aware that this is not our final resting place. And we are going to be longing and wanting the future heaven, the end game, when we get to go to the final place and receive our new bodies and receive everything that happens. So I think we're going to be conscious of that. Now, what is that thing we're waiting for? Well, that's where that future heaven comes into play, right? So we have heaven on earth, present heaven when we die, and then what we're waiting for is that future heaven. Now, where does this come from? What are you talking about future heaven? Jesus himself explains so many times to the disciples that he is going to return. You take Matthew, for instance. They, they recorded, the disciples said that this is what Jesus said. So in Matthew, it says this, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. There's all kinds of scripture. This is no surprise. You've probably heard something along these lines. Jesus is going to return. Now, Again, I've said this before in my series before. I don't believe in a rapture, okay? The book, the word rapture, it is not in the Bible. It was, it's a new concept. It's only about 130 years old. You go listen to that, but I don't believe it's like left behind, okay? I don't think we're going to be beamed up like Star Trek, you know, by our chest. That would hurt, you know what I mean? Up into heaven and, and meet him in this other place. I don't believe we're going to be taken somewhere up. I believe that Jesus is going to come back that Jesus is going to return. Now, what is he going to do when he returns? This is a very important conversation and I've tried to explain this to many generations of Christians, okay? And the question and this is the question that helps me formulate this in my head. It's this. What you believe about God shapes what you believe about eternity. Okay? What you believe about God shapes what you believe about eternity. This is why this is very, very important. This is why many Christians are idiots, okay? I'll, say it, I'll just say it like that, okay? Because how many Christians do you know have said that God's going to come back and smite everybody, right? That God's going to come back with a sword on a horse, just start slicing heads off, right? Like Mortal Kombat style, okay? Does that, do you think that that lines up with who Jesus was while he was here? Does that line up with the character of God that we saw when Jesus was here on this earth? Absolutely not. That's what they wanted him to be. That's what they expected him to be. That's why the Jews turned on him, because he wasn't that. They wanted him to be that, but he wasn't. 
See, if you, what you believe about God shapes what you believe about eternity. And what I see in the nature of God through what we saw in Jesus is that God is not in the business of smiting people. People are going to, everyone's going to get justice. But he's not after this to smite people. He's also not here to beam his people up and to take them away from anything or to abandon anything, right? Here's what I believe about God. God doesn't abandon, God resurrects. That's a good word, all right? I hear the hmms, but you need to say some amens here in a minute, all right? God doesn't abandon, God resurrects. God did not abandon you. God did not abandon his creation. God did not abandon mankind. He could have. He could have started over from scratch. I'm not sure when the angels came into play, but the angels were not what God was looking for. And so here we come, version 2.0. He could have gone on to version 3.0 and said, man, I got to get this right. Okay, nine foot people with angel wings. That's not good. All right, let's go smaller. Let's go hobbit style. Let's take off the wings and put them in a garden. Let's see if that works, okay? He could just keep on going on, but he's, he's not that we know of. But here's the thing. God doesn't abandon us. God promises to resurrect and heal us. But here's the thing. We are not the only thing that God created. God created the heavens and the what? The earth and the skies and the waters and the planets and the animals. And guess what? When God had created all of that and when he had created mankind, what did he say about all of it? He said it was good. He said it was good. So here's my theory. I don't think God is going to beam us up to some other place. I think God is going to come in the same way he's going to resurrect the dead and resurrect us and give us a new body and restore us to who we were supposed to be from the beginning. He's also going to resurrect the earth. That God is going to remake this broken earth, this cursed earth, and return us back to the way things were supposed to be. To return us back to the garden. When it was the garden and creation was good and creation was perfect and we were perfect and we were good. I think God is going to restore us to that place that he always intended us to be. To take us back to the, to, to, to the garden of Eden. And earth is going to be resurrected. And there's going to be animals. And there's going to be water. And there's going to be land. And there's going to be a sky. And there's going to be a universe. Because God, when he made it, said it was good. And God doesn't abandon what he calls good. God doesn't give up on it. God doesn't let it, the, the, the evil have it. Some people think, well, the earth's going to turn into this earthly hell. Really? You think God is going to give his creation over to Satan? Satan is not his equal. He's already defeated Satan. He's not going to give anything that he created over to Satan. He's going to come and resurrect it and claim his property back. So if that was the idea, if that is what we're working with, if, if that's what happens, then we can put together some pieces of what future heaven or final heaven is going to look like. Because we can look at how Adam and Eve were before the fall and see how they lived. So here's some things we know. If we look at Adam and Eve in the garden and what the garden looked like before they ate the apple and all that stuff happened, here's what we know. Is that, number one, they worked. I know, that's a real bummer. That's not what you wanted to hear. You're like, what? Heaven was my retirement plan. I was going to sit mimosas at the 
river of life. That's what was my plan, you know? No, you look at Adam. Adam had a job. Adam named the animals. They, he harvested the animals. They ate. But here's the other thing, too. They ate and they slept. So people have asked me, do you think there's going to be food in heaven? My wife, my wife, my, this is my wife's biggest concern, this whole series. She goes, am I going to get to take a nap in heaven? There you go, honey. I think so. But they did. They ate and they slept. Okay, They had jobs. And the other thing is, too, is that they had relationships. Now, this is a conversation. You guys all ask this question. Is there going to be marriage in heaven? No, I don't think there's going to be marriage in heaven. Marriage, you don't have to understand in history. Marriage was formed way, way later. And marriage was created to represent something for us here on earth. It's, it's here and it's a reminder of Jesus' relationship with the church. It's why he refers to the church as the bride of Christ. It's there to remind us that we're always here to give ourselves to something else. Marriage is one of these things that we practice so that we understand what heaven is like. But it's a construct of earth. It's something that exists here to help us to stay faithful, to help us to stay loyal, and to practice something that's going to exist in heaven. However, I say that, and I will tell you that if, if we look at this and understand this correctly, there will be relationships in heaven. I mean, come on. It's not like we're going to just be alone. I mean, you know, Francis Chan, I told you that thing about Francis Chan thinks, what if we're locked in a room with Jesus for all eternity? That's just bull, Francis. Come on, stop that. I mean, I, I don't think that's true because when Adam was created, he said what? It was not good for him to be alone. He had to create Eve. And only when Eve was created and he had that counterpart was he whole? Was he who he was supposed to be? He, need, he needed relationship in the same way that God was looking for relationship. So I think we're going to still have relationships in heaven. I think whenever we get to heaven, we'll all have our individual dwelling places. And we, I, I fully believe that I'll get to go visit my wife. And I'll get to be friends with my wife. And I'll get to have friendships with other people. I'll, hopefully I'll get to see some of you there. You know, uh, I mean, and we can hang out and we'll have relationships. But I think we'll have relationships and we'll bond together and we'll be together. And, and, and we'll be able to do all kinds of certain things together. But this is another thing too. I do believe that there will be free will. Let me tell you something. I cannot find a, a, a place in the Bible, in the scripture, where free will is ever suggested that it will be taken away from us. You have to understand, even the angels have free will. The demons have free will. There's nothing that God has ever created that didn't have free will, that was made in his image. So, Here's the thing. Now, this, this, this is where it gets, I mean, turn on the lava lamp and drink some NyQuil. This will get you going. This brings up the question. So are you saying that once we get into heaven, we, there's still a chance that we could deny God and go to hell? Maybe. Maybe. Do you think that free will is just going to be taken from you all of a sudden? Adam and Eve always had free will. The angels have had, always had free will. I mean, it wouldn't be like heaven. It wouldn't be like back in the garden if that was just turned off, would it? Then we would. We would just be the zombies. Now, I think we'll be so aware and so knowledgeable that we will be very careful not to do that. But we will still make choices, and we will still have free will, which leads me to believe that, yeah, there's a pretty big chance that even when we're in heaven, we still screw it up. So free will, I believe it will exist. But here's the other thing about final heaven. And this is, again, now we're getting into gospel truth here, okay? We've already, the gospel, gospel truth so far is we know that we are saved by faith. 
It's only by the grace of God, and when we put our faith in him, that gets us into present-day heaven, right? That, that starts us on the journey. However, when Jesus talks about returning, he talks about a second judgment. He talks about something else that will be judged. And if we just go right back to that Matthew verse that we just had, where Jesus talked about this, this is what Jesus says after that. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what? What they have done. So Paul made it very clear, and Paul makes it very clear in several places. You are not, you do not earn heaven. Okay, you are never saved by your works. You are saved by grace. It is your faith that gets you your reward. It's those who put their faith in him and believe in him, but... But, Jesus, when he talks about this, says, but you will be judged at some point on what you have done. Our actions, our actions will be judged by God. Now, there's a lot of debate about when this happens. But, if you read Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven, it's like this 500-page book. He talks about before we go to future heaven, there is a final judgment. And these are some of the scripture verses that he paints this picture with. This is, this is uh, some of, if you go to that next slide, I want, I want to read this next. He says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? This is in Romans. Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will stand before God's judgment seat. Okay, so we will stand before God's judgment seat. In heaven. And then this is what Paul says next in Romans. He says, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before him, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Now, Paul says, We're going to give an account of our actions. Specifically, we're going to give an account of how we treated one another. So if you look through scripture, it talks about our financial actions talks about our sexual actions, talks about our relationship actions, talks about our actions when our emotions were high. All of these actions will be judged at some point. Paul talked about it. Jesus talked about it. But then even John, when John had this revelation of what was going to happen before the final, final heaven, when he got this vision of what present heaven was like and what was going on in present heaven, this is what John saw that lines up with all this too. Then it says next, John says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. He's talking about God. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. So again, he sees this place where the dead are, right? Great and small. I'm the small one. Standing before the throne and books were opened. I'm just making sure you're paying attention still, all right? Then another book was opened. And check this. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge which which is the book of life. So again, that same thing we just read is also found in Revelation. And what's amazing about this is John and Paul, when they wrote these things, they were not together. They were not apart. Yet they're using the same language and the same phrases. And then, this is what John says, the dead were judged according to what? What they had done and what was recorded in the books creates a pretty compelling argument that we will be judged before final heaven on not just our faith, but on what we've done. 
So this answers some questions. How, how was the thief on the cross in heaven? How could he live such a terrible life and still go to heaven? Well, the answer is this. His faith in God's grace, okay? So people ask me all the time, how could somebody live such a terrible life, be on death row, be in prison? How could you even say they could end up in heaven? Well, because if they put their faith in God, truly, they're saved by God. They can be saved by God's grace. You can be saved by God's grace in the last moments of your life. Again, I'll go back to my uncle. My uncle lived a life of sin, okay? That's not me judging. That's just, that's just true. He lived a life of sin. If you came to me and said, do you think he's in hell? I'd say, I hope not. I don't know what his last moments were. I knew he grew up in church and I knew he knew. But I don't know what he did in his last moments. But I still think there's a chance he could be in heaven. I hope so. Why do you think that? Thief on the cross. The thief on the cross is in heaven. It's, his fa- it's by his faith and God's grace, he is in heaven. However, this is what we know. Because see, a lot of Christians, I did this when I was a kid. I was like, oh, see, I got it figured out then. So I could live a bad life. Could be that rebel I've always wanted to be. You know, like with leather pants and stuff, you know. <laughs> Maybe smoke a cigarette sometime, you know. And then, uh, then just in the last moment, I'll just ask for forgiveness. And I'll go to heaven, right? I mean, we've all had that conversation, right? You've had that conversation, right? That's, yes, possible, possible, possible. Possible, possible, possible. The thief on the cross is in heaven. However, we do know that your actions will determine something. Your actions will determine something. Now, here's the thing. A lot of, a lot of debates about this, right? A lot of de- debates about what, what your actions determine. Old school, old school belief is like, well, your actions determine how big your mansion is, right? Which... Let's just stop that talk, okay? There's no mansions in heaven. No, nobody in Africa translating the Bible is translating that word mansion as a mansion, okay? All right? It's not going to be lifestyles of the rich and famous, okay? So it's not like you're going to get a reward. And again, I don't think that that matches up with the character of God. I don't, think, I don't see any part of God that puts people into classes where some people get more than others, Okay? I don't see that in scripture. I don't see that in Jesus. However, I do see something else. And go to this next slide, Christy. It's your financial actions, your relationship actions, your sexual actions, your emotional actions that are going to determine something. Something. And I, I have a theory. And again, this is a big what if. Okay, This is just Michael. Didn't get this from a book. I'm just a, a dumb, now 35-year-old boy, okay, with a simple degree and just coming up with my best. But this is what I think. What, what if, what if, what if? This is a big what if. What if your actions determine your community, your responsibility, and your permission in final heaven? Think about that. What if your actions determine your community, your responsibility, and your permissions? Because here's the thing. Our actions, our actions about, are about what? Our actions are about if we can manage God's blessings well. Our actions are about how we not only love God, but you know we talk about this every week. It's about how you love your neighbor. It's about how well you serve other people. It's about how well you can put yourself last in the back of the line, how you can put the person behind you in front of you. So getting that 
when Jesus tells us about the kingdom of God and teaches us about the kingdom of God, it's all about serving one another and putting other people first and managing God's resources well. What if when we get to heaven, when the final judgment, our faith gets us to heaven? He goes, welcome, good job. Thank you for believing in me. Welcome to heaven. And then there's the final judgment. He goes, all right, so let's look at how you lived your life. Let's look at how you live this time that you had on life. Let's look at how you manage my resources. Let's look at whenever somebody provoked you and you got emotional, how you responded with that. Let's look at how you resolved issues with other people, how you resolved conflict. Let's look at how you loved other people. Let's look how you took people that didn't even deserve it and you put them in front of you and how well you served them. Well, why would we look at that, Lord? And I think that God's going to look at us and go, because I have to figure out where I need to put you. What do you mean? Oh, I'm sorry, you didn't understand. See, when you're, in he- when you're in heaven, you still have free will. You have a new body and your insecurities are gone and all that's healed, you know. But here's the thing. You still have free will and there's still people who also have free will. And you're going to the garden and you're going to have a job and you're going to have a community and you're going to be in relationship with other people. Um, but you're going to have choices to make. And I saw the choices you made. I saw how you treated other people. I saw when somebody cut you off how you treated them. I saw when somebody did you wrong how you treated them. I saw that when somebody just annoyed you how you treated them. And the thing is, is I gave you a chance to practice that whole grace thing, and you didn't do a great job with it. I I gave you a lot of resources. I gave you a great job. I gave you money. I gave you family. I gave you this. And uh, you always just kind of lived for yourself. You heard people asking you to be generous. Generous People gave you great causes. People gave you opportunities. The church kept trying to rally people to to serve other people and to give to other people and help. And you just always just kind of did what you wanted to do. And it had to be convenient for you. And it had to work for you. And it had to be something you wanted to do. And so uh, instead of giving you um, something to manage, I'm actually going to give somebody to manage you. Because... Remember the uh, parable Jesus gave us about the man who was responsible with a little? And Jesus said what? Jesus said, well, now that you've, I've seen that you can be responsible with a little, I can give you responsibilities with a lot, right? Because I've entrusted you with a little, I can entrust you with a lot. And I really honestly believe that when we get to heaven, God's going to go, I entrusted you with a little, and you did very little with it. I entrusted you with a little, and you lived a very earthly life. And so... Uh, here's the thing. Welcome to heaven. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to have somebody manage you because you're not very good at managing yourself. And the resources will be available to you. Welcome to heaven, but there will be a couple guidelines. What if we're only allowed certain parts of the community to protect ourselves? Because God goes, I don't want you to repeat the mistakes that you made on earth and heaven. Because there's still a chance you could go to the other place. I see this is we've all figured this out. I've let you live this little experiment and we fixed it and I've made the bridge and now everybody knows, but you're still there's still a chance. And I don't want to see that happen to you. I love you too much. Right? You still do this with your kids. We we do this even with children. Now that does line up with the character of God. Now you may go, because it's very quiet in the room. <laughs> you go, I don't like that. <laughs> Again, not what I thought of of heaven. Don't like this. Let's go back to that mansions talk where all my enemies get smited, right? It's crazy, though, when you dive into Scripture and start putting pieces together what you can think of, right? 
And you may not agree with me, and that's totally fine. Look, save your emails, okay? I'm not going to die on, on, on my sword for this one. But if you don't like that, if you disagree with me, then you tell me. Here's the question you can wrestle with then. What do you think happens to the full of faith believers that don't practice heaven on earth? You tell me then. Now, I'll get a cup of coffee with you about that. What do you think happens to the full of faith believers who put their faith in Jesus, who did not practice heaven on earth, who hurt people, who judged people, who lived for themselves, who squandered their resources, who squandered their paychecks, who always took care of themselves first, who lied, cheated, manipulated, and stole? If you have free will in heaven and you live that way on earth, what do you think is going to turn that switch off? Who's this, how, how do we know you're not going to live like that in heaven? What do you think happens then to those people who live full of faith and who do believe, but they don't go, but they don't practice heaven on earth? Here's what we do know. Now, again, this is gospel truth. Here's what we do know. Gospel truth, faith and works. Faith and works. Faith and actions. Faith and works. Faith and works determine something. Faith determines if we go to heaven. Our works are going to determine something. I may be wrong, but there's not many options. I mean, hey, the worst case scenario is your works determine if you get into heaven. <laughs> I mean, again, I've called a lot of people and they've said, well, maybe this is the case. I go, oh, my goodness, I sure hope not, because then the gate is very narrow. But I don't think it determines your reward or your mansions or how much you get, I think it determines your permissions, your community, and your responsibilities. Because we will be on a new earth with responsibilities in community, and I believe we will still have free will. So, here's the faith question. Faith question is this. Do you have confidence that God is and will do what he promises? Do you have confidence that God is and will do what he promises? Now, again, this is... I've always said this. This is a church for people who don't like church, okay? This is, this is as doom, as gloom, and doom and gloom as we ever get, okay? <laughs> Agreed, thank you. So if you brought a friend, tell him. Wink, wink, okay? Uh, all right? But do you have confidence that God is and will do what he promises? And here's the thing. If you're like, no, I don't yet. I, I don't yet. I'm here because I'm curious. Look, I'm so glad you're here. This is a safe place to explore your faith at your own pace, okay? I'm, I'm not here to make you feel weird or to feel scared, but if there's some urgency inside of you, that ain't me. That's the Holy Spirit, okay? All right? That's, but that's between you and God. And, I, and, I, and look, I want you to, if you have questions, to explore those questions. I, and I want to encourage you, get in a small group. Get in a small group and have these conversations. If you're in a small group right now, you're going to have a fun conversation this week with your small group. All right? But, I mean, get in a small group and have these conversations. Ask these questions. We have so many resources and tools and people available to you to help you with this. But here's what I'm telling you. If you're waiting for that aha moment, I don't believe in those I don't believe in those aha moments. I don't believe that in a worship service, God's going to strike you on the head and you're going to go, it just makes sense now, okay? That's not what faith is. Faith is looking at the evidence that we have in front of us and making a decision and a blind decision at that to put your faith in something that you cannot see. But it is very, very real and very much there. Do you have confidence that God is and will do what he promises that he will do? Now that's, 
That's to get into heaven, right? That's what faith is. That's where God's grace is available. But I think the big question that most of us need to wrestle with is this. Is how would you judge your actions if you were God? Take me out of it. Take God out of it for a minute. Let's put you in God's seat. How would you judge your actions? How would you judge your works? You know your finances. I don't know your finances. I don't know who gives and what people give here. You tell me how you're doing it with your financial decisions. You tell me how you're doing it managing God's money. And you may not believe yet that it's God's money, but most of you have been around long enough that you know that ain't your money. That's God's money. And again, this ain't some mission to get you to give it to the church. I've told you this before. You can be generous to anybody, okay? This ain't the money, the church trying to get your money. I'm saying you could be generous to anybody. You could be generous to any, for, to any nonprofit you want to be. doesn't even have to be religious. But you tell me, how are you doing with taking God's money and being generous and using it to change somebody else's life? You take your actions, your relationship actions, your actions when you're emotional. You tell me whenever you have conflict with somebody else. You tell me, you tell me, if you were God, how would you judge your actions? Would you say that you should be a leader in a community? Would you say that you should have free reign? Would you say that you should be allowed access to everything else like everybody else? Because you're going to be in a community and you're going to not only love God, but you're going to love others. And you're going to love others in the way that not you think you should love, but in the way that Jesus first loved you. Are you ready for that? Are you practicing that? Because that's what heaven's going to be like. So you tell me, how would you judge your actions if you were God? Here's the thing. I think whenever you put it in that perspective, because, and I could tell because it's so quiet in the room, but I think when you put it in that perspective, you go, oh man, that changes a lot for me. Because you know what it changes for me? What it changes for me is that we as a church, what we need to see, when you look at that serve schedule, right? When you see like all these ministries and all these things to be a part of, you look at it differently, don't you? Because when you look at it now, you go, uh, before you might have been like, the church is always trying to get me to work, always trying to get me to volunteer. They just always need help. You know, they just always need these things. But when you look at it this way, you go, man, this is my opportunity to practice heaven. Doing trunk or treat, this is my opportunity to, to, to practice. It's not about me. It's about somebody else that I don't even know. You look at that serve schedule and you go, oh my goodness, I need to be on that serve schedule. I need to help in a ministry. I need to be in an area. Why? Because the church needs you? No, not because the church needs me. They'll always find somebody to do it. But I need it because I need to practice serving other people because that's what heaven's going to be like. And I need to get ready for it. And I need to show God that I'm ready to put other people first. See, here's the thing. These invitations that we give you, they're not for us, okay? God's gonna take care of the church. This is God's church. God's gonna do what he wants with the church. And even if this church is long and gone, there's gonna be another church that God's gonna use. I ain't worried about that. What I'm worried about is you. Because your actions are going to be judged. And all we are trying to do as a church is to give you opportunities to practice what heaven is gonna be like on this earth. So what do you want to do with those? Because that's a game changer, ain't it? 
That'll get your mind running all kinds of different ways. Then you see, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing this to earn heaven. I'm not doing this to get heaven. I'm doing this for me so that I'm ready for heaven. I'm not doing this for the church. I'm not doing this because pastor's strong-arming me, making me feel bad, and telling me that he needs me because otherwise the church is going to fail. Oh, my gosh. No, this is the church giving me an opportunity. This is the church trying to help me prepare for eternity because I've got this long to practice it, and heaven is eternal. And if I'm not ready, if I don't get it, if I don't learn how to put others first and how to manage God's resources well and how to love God and love people, oh my goodness, I could mess this up. See, that's a game changer, guys. And that's why we got to talk about it. So, let me ask you. Are you ready for heaven? And again, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I think I'm right. And I think, I think judging by the room, reading the room, I think you think I'm on to something too. So, what are you going to do with that? Starts with your faith. But your actions, your actions matter too. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing the song that we sang last week called Send Me. It's an, it's an invitation. CJ sings the words and he goes, here I am, Lord. Send me. I feel like that needs to be the prayer of many of us this morning. Because look, you guys are all great people. I love every single one of you. And I think so many of you, you've put your faith in God. For most of the people listening and watching this, that's not the issue. I think you've put your faith in God. I think you believe that Jesus was who he says he was. But it's the other part that I don't think we have thought about too much. That's the other part that I think we need to know. And I think we need to make some decisions on. So you could take this opportunity. This is just a song, but a song can so easily turn into a prayer. It can so easily turn into something we're saying to God of saying, God, send me. This is what I'm declaring. This is what I'm saying. God, here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. Give me those opportunities. I need to practice heaven on earth right now because I need to prepare for this. I need to prepare for future heaven. So will you, God, send me? Will you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray for us. Father, Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the gift of your grace. Thank you that we don't have to earn heaven, that we don't have to work for heaven. Thank you for giving it freely to me, that all I got to do is put my faith. And when they meet me at the gate and they say, well, why should we let you in? All we got to say was because Jesus said I could come. It's because Jesus told me, today you will be with me in paradise if you put your faith in me. So God, help me to do that. But Father God, beyond that, beyond that, will you help me, God? Will you help me to love God and to love others? Would you help me to be patient, humble, kind, to not envy, to not boast, to not be self-seeking, to keep no record of wrongs? Will you help me, Father God? To love in the way that you have first loved me. Even my enemies. Even the people I don't know. Even the people that don't deserve it. Would you help me to show grace? Would you help me to show mercy? Would you help me to practice heaven on this earth? Would you help me to manage what you've blessed me with well? Would you help me to manage my family? Manage my marriage? Marriage my urges, my desires? Will you help me to use them for your glory and not for my own desires? 
Lord, here we are. Here I am. Send me.